around in the room, uh, you're younger, a lot younger than I am. I, I know what it was like to be in my 20s. You know, I'm in my mid-50s, but I, my mind still tells me I'm, I'm in my mid-20s. I don't know. Anybody relate to that in the room? But the older I get, the real, more I realize I'm not as strong as I used to be physically. I just can't do what I used to do. It takes me long to recover uh, from injuries and to recover from sorenesses. But I have my own strength, and that's one thing. But there's nothing like the strength of God, the supernatural strength that he imparts. So because Paul even said, when I am weak, then guess, guess what? God is strong when I'm weak. So even in my greatest strength day, or even in my prime, as you would put it, is nothing compared to the strength of Almighty God. Okay? So there's speaking gifts, there's serving gifts. And what I like to see is, and if you have questions about that, when you do your test and you see those top five, you might go, well, I don't know if that's a speaking gift or if that's a ser serving gift. Well, email me, we'll dialogue, we'll go over that. We'll talk about it. And there's nothing I want to do more than, than to share that kind of news with you. Because God has gifted you and he's placed you here for a reason. And that is to to serve others and to glorify his name. Excuse me. All right, but he gets to the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he, he comes to this verse in verse 31. It says, anybody got a bottle of water back there? If, if y'all could check to get a bottle of water for me, because <coughs> I'm getting choked up. But it says this in verse 31. It says, but earnestly desire the greater gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. Now that's significant. Why? Because he's just shared some of the gifts with us, but what he's going to now show us is what's the, how we exercise this, our gifts. He's going to show us the, the greater, more excellent way. And what is that way? We're gifted to make a difference, and I put it down here, the difference or the way is simply love. It's love. Now, this love is, is defined as agape love. This is God's love. There's several different types of love. I'm not going to get into that right now. But this is God's unconditional love. It's a benevolent love. I've given it this definition right here. And this is so significant. Agape love is the ultimate act of sacrificing oneself for the good of someone else. Agape love is the ultimate act of sacrificing oneself, thank you brother, for the good of someone else. Now read that uh, quote again. And after you read it, what is your first thought? Who do you think about when you read that? I heard someone with their lips say, Jesus. Anybody else have that thought come to you as soon as you finish reading? Jesus. You know, I thought of all the times. You might think of a person. He's ultimately who I think of. And then I read it, I think of my wife. I think of my parents. 
I don't think of my brother. I don't know if he really treated me that way, but you know, <laughs> I love my brother. I do. I love you, brother. But the agape loves the ultimate act of sacrificing oneself for the good of someone else. Jesus, it's not by chance that we're having the Lord's Supper communion today. And that is symbolic of the ultimate act of giving oneself, of him laying down his life for us. And so when we think about why did God put this chapter right here in the middle of this, this teaching on spiritual gifts? Why did he do it? It's because he's showing us the key to making a difference is love. Love is the key. How many of you have been to a wedding and you've heard um, this chapter quoted in a wedding? You've heard that before? And it all sounds good. And, and it is, it's all practical to a wedding, and it's all necessary. But the, the teaching and context of it is dealing with the spiritual gifts, and it's dealing with the body of Christ. So we're going to dive into this today, and we're, I'm going to show you. And I've got an outline here, and for folks that love outlines, and I like to give this every once in a while. This is good. It's broken down this way. The outline is, nope, let's go to the outline. I've got it there, what love is. Verses. You see that? All right. The outline, verses 1 through 3, which we're about to read, love is exalted. Verses 4 through 7, love is explained. And then finally, verses 8 through 13, we're going to see love is eternal. So let's jump into to seeing the first part. Love is exalted. So we'll begin in verse 1. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gifts of prophecy, and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, or, or it means uh, that, it, uh, that I may not boast, then what he's saying here is, but do not have love, it profits me, what? Nothing. So he basically went over several of the gifts that we talked about over the last few weeks. We explained and went through the, the area of tongues, which he goes in more detail in chapter 14. He deals with even the prophecy gift, which is speaking the word of God. And then he deals with uh, knowing all mysteries, that's discernment. And then he deals with, and all knowledge, that's the, that's the gift of knowledge, the word of knowledge. And then he even explains, if I were to have all faith, the gift of faith, even to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And then he talked about the gift of giving. If I were to even have that gift, and I gave all my possessions away to feed the poor, but if I don't have love, it's useless. I might as well have kept it and not given it away if I didn't do it out of love. So what he's, what he's summing up in the first few verses is this. Love is to be exalted more than any of the spiritual gifts. Love makes the difference. And then he goes on here to, to a little bit more detail. Love is explained. This is where we're going to have some fun i got to get my water right here real quick. Hold on. 
Thank you. He starts out real quickly with this. He tells us what love is. Love is. What love is. Agape love. And what it's all about. Now listen. This is not a marriage seminar, but men, take notes. All right? Take notes. And if you use this stuff, you'll come thanking me later. All right? You'll come thanking me later. I can tell you straight up. All right, here's what love is. First off, he says love is patient. Whew. Love is patient. This word patient means long-suffering. It means long-spirited. It means long, having to wait long. We were getting ready to go somewhere yesterday, and all of us were in the car, except for who? You know who? My love. You know, I, I, I tease her. I said, she lives on island time. She, uh, I know she had to have, ans her ancestry has island people in it, you know, because time means nothing to people from the islands, okay? But it's like she said, uh, she said, honey, you're like military time. Anybody in the room, uh, military people are on military time, you're, you're never late for anything. You're already always 10 or 15 minutes early for everything, okay? But listen, I was sitting there going, all right. God, you're teaching me right now in this moment. You're teaching me love is patient. Love is patient. And then my daughter, who was in the vehicle, said, and daddy, love is kind. And I said, you're right, sweetie. That's the next thing. Love is kind. And kind means useful, obliging. It's willing to help or willing to assist. And so... That hit me because I'm, I'm in the truck waiting and I see her come walking out with all this stuff. And it hit me. I probably should have went back in and said, Honey, can I assist you with some of this? Can I help you? Well, the women are nodding their head in this room right now at this point. And the men are kind of going, All right. I didn't have a clue, okay? <laughs> I didn't, I'm clueless here, okay? But this is what we're talking about, what love is. He, and then he goes on to say this, love is not this. It's interesting he says what love is, but he gives a whole lot more of what love is not. And here's the list. Love is not jealous or envious. Love is not jealous or envious. So what this means is, is that when you see someone with a spiritual gift, perhaps it's a speaking gift and they're up front and you, and you become envious of them and you are jealous of them. Oh, I wish I had their gift. I wish I was the one that was doing that. You know, why do they have to be the one? I envied that spot. That's what he's saying here in the context. Love is not jealous. Love embraces your giftedness and you know that when you do what you're supposed to do, that's all that God asks of you. And we are all to operate in that way. And then he also says love is not bragging. That means uh, to boast, uh, to, to have a big head about it. And the scripture even says, what do you have that you did not receive? And, and the answer is nothing. 
What do I have that I did not receive? I've received everything from God. And so I'm a recipient. So how in the world can I brag about something? Because when God is the one who's given it to you, then you can't boast. I can't boast. All we can do is receive that gift and then exercise in that gift. And he says next, love is not arrogant. That word arrogant means to puff up, to blow up. And it deals in the area of pride and, and becoming, like I said, big-headed. It is not arrogant. It's not boastful. So if you see someone that, that and, and this is particularly in the area of the ones that have or had that gift of, of tongues, and they boast about it, they brag about it, and they puff up about it, you're not to do that. Because love's not arrogant. No, love's not boasting. And even Paul went on to say he would rather speak five words to where you could understand them than 10,000 in an unknown language. So that's what he, what he was, the message he was trying to get across, you see. It's not about, oh, he's got that gift, but let's put him on a pedestal. Mm -mm. It's not arrogant. It's not boastful. It's not prideful. Then he goes on to say it's not rude. It's not ugly. It's not indecent. It's not showing uh, is coming across as just being mean and being rude. And you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to explain that one. And then next says, it does not seek its own, which means literally it means you always have to have your way. And it's a habitual thing. It's not, uh, okay, let me get my way here and then I'll let you have your way over here. It's, it's when it seeks its own, it's constantly, I got to have it my way or no way. And that's not love. That's not love. And then next, love is not resentful. What does this mean? It means keeping tabs. It's that, it's that person that mentally remembers everything that you have done wrong and keeps a record of it. And then when you do something that you have long forgotten about, they bring it back up to you and begin to rake you over the coals with it. You did this, you did this. Don't you remember you did this, 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 this. Love does not keep a mental record. It does, it forgets that you ever did all those things. Whew, now, now listen, I have to work on that one. I'm being honest. That is a tough one for me. Because I'm the one that, I, I remember all the details and all those things and and here's another thing. If you've ever been hurt by someone and you keep records of all that hurt, guess who is hurting? Not hurting them. It's hurting you. And you've got to be released from that hurt in order to move on. Okay, and then next, wrongdoing or unrighteousness, just doing wrong. And... You know, I thought about the sign on this one. I, I showed, I texted some brothers the sign, and, and some said, that's awful. That's just sad. Some said, that's just wrong. I got different messages. But it was wrong. That was wrongdoing. That was evil. That was hatred. Even, uh, we talked about it in our family, and one of them said, Dad, that's, that's a hate crime. Uh, to have something happen like that. But you know what? I didn't take a picture of it and put it on social media, okay? Because that's not love. That's not love. 
You, some people would have taken it and used it as publicity and tried to just blow up everything. But that's not love. See, love rejoices with the truth. It congratulates the truth. And it gets to these next thing and as he sums up the explanation of love. And here we go. Love bears all things. What this means, it means to roof over, to cover with silence. Wow. To roof over, to cover with silence. I never knew that word bear meant that. Love bears all things. In other words, if you've ever done, if you know something about somebody, instead of going and telling something hurtful about that person to others, what love does is it covers your problem and your issue with silence. Doesn't talk. That's love. Even though they could go out and blast all kinds of things about you, they won't do it. Why, why will they not do it? Because it bears all things. Love bears all things. It covers you in silence. Boy, I don't know about you, but I, I, hear, I read that one and I go, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you. But have you ever seen when there is no covering? Hmm. And how does that work? When people begin to just spew stuff. Hmm. It's ugly. Next, love believes all things. Uh, this word believe means that love trusts that the motives and actions of others are pure. It's going to give you the benefit of the doubt. It's just going to trust that what you say and your motives are actually pure, and it's going to trust you. It believes. Don't you love that about love? And next is this. It says that love hopes all things. This word hope means to expect with desire. So we all have expectation, but love hopes in such a way that it expects the good, it expects the best, and, and it has a desire for the good of the whole body. It has a desire for all the spiritual gifts to be working the way God wants it to be working in a church. And when it does, guess what? Others are blessed and God is glorified. That's, that's the whole teaching of the spiritual gifts. And then we get to this. Love endures all things. This word endure means to remain under, to, pers to persevere. To remain under, to persevere. Love endures it all. And then he finally gets to this last thing. Love never fails. Love never fails. And you know what this word fails means? It means that it does not come to an end. It does not come to an end. So spiritual gifts are for now. But love will last forever. Love never ends. Check this out. He says, if there are gifts, verse 8, if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. We only know part, is what he's saying. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. Now that verse causes some debate, okay? 
Because some believe that when the perfect comes was when the, was the completion of the writing of the New Testament. That's what some teach and believe. And then the other teaching is, is that when the perfect comes, it's talking about the, the second coming and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which, if you study the whole context of all the scriptures, that's the one that it is pointing to. Is that when, the, when Jesus finally comes, the perfect, when, when all the gifts are no longer needed anymore. Because now, spiritual gifts are needed. But guess what? There's going to come a time when they're going to be done away with. They're going to be done away with. They will cease. He says this, when I was a child, I hear people quote this all the time. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. But when I became a man, man, I did away with them childish things. You ever heard somebody say that? And I, some of the wives are saying, honey, you need to memorize that verse. You need to grow up. Because don't be acting like a child anymore. Grow up. Grow up. Be the man. When I became the man, I put away that stuff. I put it away. Childish stuff. Okay? For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I've also been fully known. And then the verse that everybody loves to hear, verse 13 of chapter 13. But now, faith, hope, love, abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. The greater of them is love. So what's going to make the difference? Love. Notice he says three things are going to remain forever. Faith, hope, and love. But you know, the day is going to come when my faith is going to end in sight. My faith is going to end in sight when I see Jesus and I experience Jesus and I leave this world and I'm in the presence with God. And then I get to see all of those that have gone on before me and have that time. My faith is going to end in sight. Now I know in part, then I will know wholly. In that moment, you know, we, we think we know things, but we don't know anything. But when that day comes, and when we then get the total revelation of everything there is to know, that's amazing that God would give us that. But then, here's this. The day will come that my hope, my hope will, will be inside as well. All that I've hoped for, all that I've looked forward to about the future, that hope will be realized. But what is going to be remaining continually through it all is love. Love. And who is love? God is love. And so God, this is why... Love is eternal, y'all. And love never fails. <clears throat> love never ends. Love never ends. Just a moment, we're going to... I'm going to have um, a time to where we're going to all come down as you feel led to partake of the Lord's Supper. And this is a time we examine ourselves. And this is a time that we look inward. And this is a time we reflect and we thank God and 
And I want to say you're allowed to participate. If you are, have been a Christian, are a Christian, and you are a follower of him, we welcome you to participate with us. This is for you. But we are wanting to tell God today how much we remember his love for us. Remember the ultimate sacrifice that he has given for us. You know, this week uh, <clears throat> I was flipping through the channels and I came across um, one of the college football games, the greatest games of last year. And it was the final, the championship, Alabama and Clemson. And Dabo uh, Sweeney, coach of Clemson, was being interviewed. And it was the end of the game. Clemson had just won at the end. And Dabo went and played at Alabama. And so he won a championship at Alabama. And he had been at Clemson for eight years. And now they are national champions. And in that interview, and I, was, I only watched it for just a few moments, but in that interview, he said they were down at halftime. And he said, we just beat the best team in the country. And he said, he said these words. He said, I told my team at halftime. He said, you know what's going to win this game? You know what is going to win this game for us? He said, it's love. It's our love for each other. And our love for sticking it out. And our love for, for st staying together and going all the way to the end. He said, I don't know how we're going to do it. But I know that love is how, we're gonna, how it's going to happen. Because we love one another. And I'm sitting there going, wow. You think it's just by chance I flipped through and heard that? And then... To have what has happened this week in the life of our church, and then to know how are we going to win this? We're in, the, we're in this game. How are we going to win? How are we going to know that we're going to be winners by the end of it? It's love. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what's going to, how it's all going to work out. But I do know this. We're going to keep on loving. We're going to keep on loving. And as we keep on loving, we're going to see God do his work. Amen. That's what we are, church. How are they to know that we're truly disciples of Jesus Christ by their love for one another? That's how they know. Would you bow your heads with me?